like to welcome everyone again. Shabbat Shalom. We have started a new series. This is our Exodus series. We're in the season of the counting of the Omer. It connects Passover with Pentecost. It's meant to inform us that God has saved us in our sin and shame, but to deliver us out of it. And so this whole issue of God's deliverance is the theme and the season in which we are in. I've entitled this, With God, All Things Are Possible. Unstoppable. With God, your future, our future, is unstoppable. It doesn't matter what you're up against. It doesn't matter whatever it is you're facing. The universe bows at the altar of those whose faith is in God and his Messiah. And this is clearly seen in the story of the Exodus. So, join me in this journey, in this series of learning the principles of overcoming all the odds against us. We'll never look the same in our lives Again, this is a game changer. This whole view of how we view our lives and our world is something that will change us and transform us forever and ever. So as we've noted, we're in the 14th day of the counting of the Omer. Again, that connects Passover with Pentecost. It's the story of transformation. He saved us in our Egypts of sin and shame in order to bring us out of our sin and shame. And he's brought us out of our sin and shame in order to bring us into the liberty of his kingdom. This journey is filled with challenges and obstacles and giants who will do anything to keep you and me and us out. The war that we're all involved with is about who will have and rule over creation. Will it be the offspring of the woman, Genesis 3.15? Will it be the offspring of the woman or the offspring of the serpent? As the offspring of the woman, we will learn to overcome this evil and we will triumph over it. It is our destiny. We are being transformed from slavery to liberty by the Holy Spirit and faith in the truth. So let's talk about faith. Faith is one of our greatest spiritual weapons in overcoming in our trials and our tribulations. It's all about faith. God responds to faith. He doesn't respond to murmuring, doesn't respond to complaining. He responds to faith. He says, come to me. I'm the God of the impossible. I can do it all. Don't tell me what the problem is. I already know that. Look to me for the solution. And by faith, I'll move your mountains. 1 John chapter 5. Let's read the first four verses. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And whoever loves the father loves the child born of him. 
Note that love is qualified by whom we love. To love the Son is, in fact, to love the Father. It goes on to say, by this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and observe His commandments. Verse 3, for this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. That's why you're here today. You find delight in the commandments of God. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Yeah, that's called the forgotten day. It's the day that His people have forgotten. They don't meet on the Shabbat. They've forgotten that day. That's why He said, remember the Shabbat to keep it holy, right? This is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. They're a great joy. I'm telling you right now, when Don and I embraced the Shabbat, it changed our marriage, it's changed our family, it structured us, and now it's such a delight. We look forward to it every week, weekend, week out, have our biggest, greatest meal on Friday night, have some wine. We were eating chocolate croissants because sometimes the challah bread just doesn't get us there. We had chocolate croissants over candlelight last night. Just thanking God of his goodness. Making sure that he, he's making sure, I should say, that we experience liberty. We are free men and free women. The pharaohs of this world would work as 24-7 if they had their way. The elites would work as 24-7. God says, not with my people. They're free. So we get this time off every week in which we declare our freedom, that we are sovereigns under our Father in heaven, eating chocolate croissants at candlelight, right? So yeah, his commandments are not a burden. For the lawless, this is a deeply troubling passage. For those that say we are free from the law, this passage doesn't make any sense. You know, it's the spirit of lawlessness that hates God's commandments and are bothered by those who keep them. That's called the spirit of lawlessness. You know what characterizes the last days? The spirit of lawlessness. That's what's characteristic of our culture when you think about it. Yeah, we're in the last days, that's for sure. 1 John 5, 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. The world is a cold, dark, cruel place. The psalmist says there's many cruel haunts in the world that we live in. Look at the nations and you can see the misery everywhere. Whatever the reason is, and we know what the reason is, it's the serpent wanting to usurp the power and authority of God to rule and reign over that which has been created. And that cruel serpent has enslaved people all around the globe in every generation since the beginning. It's a dark and cruel world. It's trying to kill us. The spirit of the snake, the serpent, is trying to kill us. And God sent his son to deliver us and to save us and to give us what we need 
to overcome the world. And that is faith. It's faith that overcomes the world. When everything's going crazy and there's no way out, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? See, without faith, you're done. You're spent. You'll succumb. But faith is the game changer. What are you going to do when there's no way out? Faith says, get your staff and split the sea. Right? Do the impossible. We see these stories over and over and over. It's the legacy of the Exodus. Faith in God can and does move mountains. He judged the mighty Egyptian empire of Moses' day. Like Egypt and its pharaohs, many of our elites hate us, and they hate our way of life, and they hate our God. We saw this in 2020 and 2021 when the elites tried to shut down our churches with their COVID mandates. Yeah, leave the pot shops open, leave the liquor stores open, but shut the church? That's the serpent. That's the spirit of Pharaoh in our elites. Think of those who are now trying to seduce our children in our schools with the new racism called CRT and the sexual perversion that's represented in our schools curriculum. It's appalling. It's breathtaking what this agenda is all about. Think about that for a moment. You need to think about what's happening. You know, I heard a clip from our president. I meant to validate it this morning or, or to verify it this morning. So I'm, I'm not sure what the context was, uh, but he was talking about our children. I'm going to paraphrase this and then I'll try to do a better job. But I think this was the gist of what he was saying. But basically it was, you know, our children are important. Our children are everything. And we value them. But when they're in school, they are not our children. When they're in school at that time, you know, they're not ours as parents. We've got to release them to those that are educated, that know what they're doing, that can do a great job in caring for them. And, and if I got that right, if that's what he was saying, shock and awe, we should, we should be... We should be rising up right now. I'm sorry. Our children belong to us. We are God imagers, and they belong to us. Now, we'll pay our taxes and give back to the government their little slips of paper, but they don't get our children. They don't belong to Caesar. So this whole agenda is ramping up once again. I'm excited. You should be excited. This is the story of Exodus replayed over and over and over through different empires. And now we're in another one. And it's happening all over again. We should be encouraged. We know the outcome. Our God never changes. Think of mega companies like Disney who are now wanting to corrupt our children and families through what they're now producing. Think of the man-made gain-of-function virus that has sickened our world, killed millions of people around the globe. Think of the government-mandated experimental vaccines that we're still yet to see exactly what those side effects 
will be. We already know what's happened through our government agency called VAERS and what they've already recorded. And it's shocking. It is, the cover-up is just, is just too much. Think of the havoc that the mandates, the masks, the shutdowns have caused around the world. Yeah, the war is on. It's ramped up again like never before. And like Goliath, it's a war that includes the natural and the spiritual. Remember, David took down Goliath. David's the skinny little guy, about like me, trying to take on Andra, uh, Andre the Giant. Remember Andre the Giant, the wrestler guy? You know, the guy's huge, right? He's just huge. Yeah, how's this little shepherd boy going to take on this military killing machine? He was a Nephilim. He, he, was ha- he was half God, half man. How do you beat someone like that? David took him to the ground and cut his head off. David battled wickedness in the natural realm and the spiritual realm because those two came together in Goliath. And that's what our warfare is. It's not just natural. It's against the principalities and spiritual beings in high places that actually come with their agendas and flame the hearts of unbelievers to do their work. That's what we're in a war with. So let's jump into our story. We'll pick it up from last week. Israel's coming out of Egypt. I mean, you know, it's been a long, long haul in Egypt in slavery, in oppression, in misery. God has now delivered them. They're on their way out. They've collected gold and silver on their way out, and they're looking at freedom and liberty right? God has them go around up to a particular area where it looks like they don't know what they're doing. He does that in order to bring out the finest, the finest of Egypt, their strongest, smartest men, his army, his elites. God's going to pull them out with one final blow. He's going to break Egypt's back. So here comes the army. And the Israelites have made their way through mountains on both sides. They came through a a pass and they've gone down to a particular area on the Sinai or the um, the two arms on the map. Ah, sorry. Amsuf is one of the arms. The other one's the Red Sea. Okay, so they're down in a particular area where millions can gather. One of the only locations on that arm where people could, could have gathered in those numbers. They have mountains on the right. They got mountains on the left. And here comes through this area that you can come down into Pharaoh's chariots. And they have nothing. They got sticks and stones. And here comes the superpower of the world, a killing machine. They're like, oh man, the sea's behind us, the mountain. We have nowhere to go. We're going to die. You know, it can feel like that in different circumstances that you find yourself in, in your life. It can feel like I have no way out. There's just no solution for me. Lift your heads. Look to God. Begin to understand the nature of faith. It's a game changer. 
it can do miracles. It can actually create miracles on your behalf. So Moses is on his face. He's praying to the Lord. The people are just screaming. They're so afraid. Do something, do something. Verse 15 of Exodus 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. That sounds like a good plan, right? Why are you crying? Quit praying. You think praying alone is going to get you through? You got to do something, Moses. You got to get up. You can't just pray. You can't just believe. You got to act in accordance with your prayers. You got to act in accordance with what you believe. Get in alignment with faith. Begin to do what you believe God will do and go forward. What's forward? What's forward? Let's just march into the sea. You ever been in a sea? You don't have to go very far far before you lose your footing and now you're floating. And if you don't pace yourself to dip with with the tide, right? You're not going to live very long. It doesn't make sense. Get up and march forward into the sea. Yeah, right. Good strategy, Moses. That's exactly what God said. This is what they were supposed to do. He says in verse 16, As for you, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. Moses, get up. Use that staff. That thing that represents your authority, use it. Take authority over creation. You're my son. It'll respond to you. The universe will cater to you if you exercise faith. As for me, behold, I will harden the heart of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. I'll be honored through Pharaoh and all his army, through these chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I'm honored through Pharaoh, through his chariots and his horsemen. The angel of God who had been going before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. The pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel, and there was a cloud along with darkness, yet it gave light at night. Thus the one did not come near the other all night. When you realize that God is for you, when you realize that heaven is standing with you, when you realize the enemy cannot injure you, you're going to be fearsome. You're going to be a force reckoned with, right? The enemy's going to wake up and say, better leave those people alone. They, they know what and how God moves and operates. So all night long, God begins to move in power. It says, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord swept the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land so the waters were divided. Imagine hearing the howling of the wind, you know, in the darkness of, of the night, just the wind howling. It must have been so great. The wind so strong. It must have just sounded like just like a hurricane, right? as God's moving the waters and dividing the waters. Verse 22, the sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on the dry land, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. 
Now, I'm going to jump forward here to verse... No, we, we'll stay here. Okay. No, I'm going to jump forward. Go to slide 27, then we'll come back. It says in verse 29, But the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea. But the previous verse says they went through the midst of the sea on dry land. Why the reversal in this chapter? You know, what is the author and the writer trying to say related to this? Did they go through the midst of the sea on dry land or did they walk on the dry land through the midst of the sea? You say, well, it's kind of a minor thing. No, no, it really isn't. What this suggests is that as that sea is parting and the, the land is getting dry, there were some in Israel who were so full of faith, they went down in the midst of the sea first and then began to walk into the dry land. They went out in faith. They knew what, what God was doing. The other ones were saying, let's wait a little longer and make sure this is all going to work. So they waited longer until everything became dry. And when they stepped out, it was dry land immediately. So you have the early adopters and the late comers, right? And it's all related to faith, right? If you had a lot of faith, you would have been out there early. If you didn't have quite enough faith, you know, the, the guy that brought his son to Jesus and said, look, I believe, but help thou my unbelief, you would have been in the back of the line making sure that that sea's dry to walk through. So anyway, let's go back. Verse 25. The sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on the dry land, and the waters were like a wall on the right hand and on their left. Then the Egyptians took up their pursuit, and all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen went in after them into the midst of the sea. At the morning watch, the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and brought the army of the Egyptians into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve. He made them drive with difficulty. So the Egyptians said, Let us flee from Israel, for the Lord is fighting for them against the Egyptians. When we know who we are, when we know who our God is, when we begin to exercise faith, you know what happens in those seasons when we're being attacked by the enemy? The enemy says, uh-oh, let's go ahead and leave them alone before we get ourselves into too much more trouble. And the enemy leaves. But when we have no faith and we're bound to the fear, the enemy has a heyday with us. We need to learn the lessons of faith. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may come back over the Egyptians, over their chariots and their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea turned to its normal state at daybreak while the Egyptians were fleeing right into it. Then the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Can you see what God's doing? God is Lord of creation. It says that he is a king who reigns eternally, forever and ever. That's part of the song that they're going to sing on the heels of this great deliverance. Yeah, he's saying, Moses, you and my people are invited to come and rule and reign with me. Use your authority and command creation to move on your behalf. Rule and reign over this creation. 
You're going to judge the wicked in the end. But let's start with some lessons now. I believe we're called to rule and reign with Jesus in the here and now, prepping us for the great white throne judgment in which we'll judge not only people groups, but the angels themselves. How are we going to get there? By doing it now, by learning how to do that now. Verse 28, the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, even Pharaoh's entire army that had gone into the sea after them. Not even one of them remained. Verse 29, but the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea. The waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Verse 31, when the Lord saw, or I'm sorry, when Israel saw the great power with which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. God had said earlier with Moses, I'm calling you to lead my people, and I'm going to do some things for you that by the time I'm done, all of Israel will believe in you forever. Who's the most, you know, electrifying, noteworthy person in the entire Tanakh? Moses. Moses. Yeah, by the time God was done doing what he was doing through Moses, it said that all of Israel believed in God and they also believed in Moses. Moses was the Messiah. He was the deliverer. He's the forerunner of Jesus. Jesus is the greater Moses, the second Moses. And God is doing for his people today what he did for his people then. Nothing's changed. It's just a new empire. In fact, we have multiple empires right now in our world. The United States of America is a superpower. There's multiple superpowers. And there's a lot of corruption going on, an evil agenda, and people are being hurt and diminished and even murdered. And we've got the answer, the gospel of the kingdom of God, that there's a realm of freedom, of love, of peace for everyone who believes in the Son of God. And they can enter in and live in that realm. And even in this world, as we interact with those powers, they must bow to us. We have authority over them. And the more that we understand this and use our authority, we can bring change to the world around us. We are the hope of the nation. Every believer in every country represents the hope of those countries. We have the answer. We have the gospel. We have the good news. We have the legacy. We have the stories. We have the power. We have all that we need to make a difference in the world that we're living in. So who cares about what's going on? It's not going to overtake us. We're going to overtake it. And we're going to lead a whole bunch of people into the kingdom of heaven. That's our job. That's the mandate that Yeshua has given us. He said, go, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them the Torah, 
That's our mandate. We will get the job done. We will make the difference. You say, how? How will we do this? Well, Pentecost is coming. From Passover to Pentecost. The whole idea is is that through transformation, understanding who we are in the Messiah, our identity and our mandate, our God and His ways, positions us then to go and proclaim His kingdom and invite people into it. So Pentecost represents the outward spirit. What that Holy Spirit did for them is gave them the power to live as free men and free women from sin and shame. It gave them the power to walk out of their sin bondages and to live for God in accordance with His will, His holiness, right? We need the Spirit of God to do that. We can't do it on our own. Number two, it gave them power. Dunamis is the Greek word. We get our word dynamite from that. Remember the M80s? I mean, you can't get those nowadays, right? M80s, right? When I was a kid, blowing fingers off in the neighborhood. Yeah, it was like one-eighth a stick of dynamite. I think think it's one-eighth the stick of dynamite. I can't even imagine what a stick of dynamite would have been like. Oh, I wish I would have had one. But just the force and the power is just so enormous. And God's saying, I'm going to pour out my spirit on you. And that enormous power is going to reside in you so that you can stand up and speak to power, so you can stand up to injustice, so that you can proclaim the message of the gospel and bring about that peace and that joy and that forgiveness that a world that is lost is looking for. And through you, I will take creation back. I'm a redeemer, and I'm redeeming all of it. So let's get ready. Let's be thinking through this. Let's be praying as we approach Pentecost. This is our year. This is our year. Let's get so full of God this year and begin to share our faith, pray for people, do miracles. You know, our job is to pray. You know, all we have to do is just be sensitive to people around us and then respond in faith on their behalf and pray for them. God will do the signs and wonders. You don't have to do the sign and wonder. God will do it. You just pray, let him do his thing, and he'll do it. And then invite people to receive Jesus into their hearts so that they can actually be caught up into this kingdom of light and love. That's our mandate. That's who we are. We're going to get it done, and we're going to grow this place in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Shabbat Shalom.